Welcome to the Death Kick Show. Let's go. Hey, yo! Hey. Oh, oh, oh. Here he comes. Y'all ready? I don't think y'all ready! Jeff Key coming at you, the over-circumcised Jew. Travel the world telling jokes, eating eggs with no fucking yolks. Low-cal, so-cal, he pulls out the knife and he stoops your gal. This is his podcast, maybe this one will last. Probably not the one that he's got. He's only had minor success. That's why he brought ND to the M to the X. He's finally about to blow. Welcome to the Jeff Key Show. What up, everybody? I made it to Calgary. All right. So right off the top, I got to say, first off, first show in Calgary tonight at the Comedy Cave. I'll be here uh, tomorrow. Well, this will come out. You guys will probably listen to this tomorrow. So I'll be here Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday at the Comedy Cave in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Fun show tonight. Uh, I really like this club. The owner is a really nice guy. I really get along with him. Anyway, so I made it to Calgary. Um, so off the top, I have to say... Um, my last podcast I uploaded, and if you listen to it, I drank a bottle of Yellowtail in Seattle, and um, when I was stuck there, and I put in the title something about like Alaska Airlines suck something, and I put why I and why I'm not made about it. I put a typo in the title for the podcast episode. I don't know how to go back and change that. I feel like just. Add some authenticity, you know what I mean, to to that whole episode because I clearly drank some wine and uh, I wasn't made about it, you know what I mean? A sober person would not be mad about it, but I was a little tipsy, so I was not made about it. Um, I was about to say, a little update on uh, Alaska Airlines fucking me over. Uh, if you didn't listen to the last episode, I whined a lot about that. So today, this morning... I go to the airport and I was like, I'm going to uh, double check with Alaska baggage because they broke my bag. They fucked up my bag, which I got as a wedding gift from my uh, family friend, Gail Eisen. And it goes with the set of all my other luggage, which I didn't bring. But anyways, so I go to the Alaska baggage service people and I said, hey, I was here last night, blah, blah, blah. This is what happened my flight. And then they're like, okay, yeah, we heard about that. And I said, okay, yeah. So I go, so my bag is messed up. And, uh, you know, no one ever documented it. Like, no one ever wrote anything down. No one ever gave me a claim or anything, opened a claim. And then they go, oh, yeah, we're not going to do anything about it. And I was like, what? This is how bad Alaska Airlines is. These ladies just, like, in a polite way go, yeah, we're not going to do anything about it. Like, yeah, it just happens. I go, what happens? You guys, I go, you guys broke my bag. My bag's messed up. Like, it's all broken. I go, I had had belongings fall out of that pocket that I – were just like falling out when I saw my bag. And they're like, yeah, didn't even say sorry, right? Not even like, hey, like we're really sorry about that, you know? Not even like, hey, we're really sorry, but company policy is this, and, you know, I know it sucks. Just like, yeah, we're not going to do anything. Fuck you, (laughs) basically is what Alaska Airlines was telling me. So I said, well, that doesn't sound right because you guys broke my bag. I lost things out of my bag. You don't seem to care. You won't even open up any sort of claim. 
So they gave me a number to call. So I called that number when I was waiting in the super long security line in Seattle, uh, TSA line. And that lady, Michelle, I think her name was Michelle. Very nice lady was like, yeah, we're going to take care of that for you. Send pictures, you know, like it was an international flight. So pretty much everything should be covered. So, you know, don't worry about it. Like everything should be fine. Super nice lady, Michelle. And uh, it's got to say, very weird. I feel like everybody, I think my point is, the tip is don't listen to the people ever on the on the ground. Always ask for a supervisor. Don't ask, the people on the ground floor or whatever, they're always going to be like, yeah, you know, kick rocks, not our problem. Sorry about that. Fuck off. <laughs> but then you call somebody with like a little bit more important of a position. They're like, oh, you know what? We're going to take care of that for you. Like those people actually want to keep you as a customer, which Alaska Airlines, I am not a customer. unless Unless other airlines are just five times the price i'm never flying alaska again i can't believe how shitty this airline is but um it's like they're worse than spirit almost it seems like spirit airlines now spirit Airlines would have been like what are you even coming to us with that fucking complaint hey fucking veto get this fucking guy and then just someone just it breaks my legs or something um break his fucking legs dude this guy's gonna fucking complain to us we're trying to fucking earn some money uh spirit airlines sucks dude but anyways um so yeah so I'm glad that's sort of kind of in the process of being resolved, maybe. But uh, Lady at Delta, oh my God, Lady at Delta was so much better. Lady at Delta, when I when I was checking my bag, because that's the whole point, that's the whole reason I went to Alaska first. I was like, oh, I want, you know, I'm about to check this on a Delta flight, and I don't want you guys to tell me, oh, well, maybe that happened on Delta, because it didn't. So when I went to Delta, I was like, oh, can you like tape up my bag? Cause it's all broken and shit. And she was like, oh yeah, no problem. And she's like, what happened? I'm like, oh, Alaska airlines broke it. And then they also told me they're not gonna do anything about it. She's like, oh God, she just had that like mom response of like, oh, some people, you know? So that lady's so cool. Love that lady. She was like, oh, it sounds like you got kind of screwed over. She's like, I'm not gonna charge you for your bag. It's Cause I was supposed to pay Delta to check my bag because they hadn't they had no idea about the, I mean, they knew a bit about the rebooking, but they, it's not their problem. You know what I mean? So I was going to have to pay again to check my bag. And, uh, so yeah, so the lady was super cool and she like quietly goes, Hey, I'm gonna make your day better. And then she's like, don't worry about it. I had my credit card out and everything. I'm like, Oh, I think I need to pay for this bag. And she's like, don't worry about it. I'll make your day better. I like that lady a lot. Like, of everybody I've met in my life, I turned 35 last month. She's probably one of the top six people I've ever met in my life. That's how much I love that lady at Delta. So here's here's what I was thinking, though. The lady I talked to who was cool to me at Alaska Airlines, I always try and be as super nice as possible because these think about that. If anyone's listening and you have this type of job, definitely email me or hit me up on social media. The email's in the show notes, thejeffkeithshow at gmail.com, thejeffkeithshow at gmail.com. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's just at jeffkeith, G-E-O-F-F-K-E-I-T-H. But um, customer service jobs like that, like people that just get complaints all day, you have to come at them nice, right? And even when I'm coming off as nice as I can be sometimes, I could still tell like they get a little upset because I was like telling this lady, I go, yeah, I go, you know, and then I just kind of explain what happened. I go, and this happened and then you guys rebooked me on this flight. And then she goes, okay, before you start with that you guys stuff. And immediately I was like, oh man, she's just, she's just hearing people whine and bitch all day and like taking it out on her. And I'm like, oh no, I didn't mean like you. I meant, you know, your, your company, your airline, whatever. But that's gotta be such a shitty job. That's what I was thinking about. In any company, if that's your job, Hey, you, you get paid to handle all the angry, annoyed people 
who for the most part act entitled you know what i mean like i only complain if they fuck something up if you fuck something up and you should take care of it take care of it but i'm not one of those people it's like hey um the flight took off seven minutes late and like I don't understand where that happened because, like, you said that the flight's going to take off at 3.35. It took off at 3.42, and I fucking want, like, (laughs) $8,000. Not one of those people, but sometimes companies mess up, and they should take care of the customer if they fuck up, right? If you break someone's property and also lose some of their property, you should probably take care of that. Maybe refund the baggage fee type of shit. You know what I mean? It's just the principle. I'm big on principle. I could have a billion dollars, and I'd be like, hey, principle... I need the $30 back. <laughs> so I was just thinking, man, that it's got to be such a shit job. Just customer service all day, just picking up the phone. I mean, jobs that suck. Let's talk about this. Calling people. Um, I did this for a day, I think, once a long time ago. I can barely remember it, but calling people, what's it called? Um, what was it? What's that call, called when you just cold call people and bother them? You're like, hi, hey, what's up? I just got your number because we have it in some system and I'd like to bother you today about buying some product you're not even interested in. I did that for one day and it just felt so gross. I was like, I can't do this. And some of those jobs, like when you're young and you don't have a lot of like work experience, you know, those those are kind of like decent jobs to get. And I'm just, I just couldn't do it. I was like, man, I, I feel so gross bothering people. Just the anger on people like the justified anger of people on the other end that were just like, why are you calling me? How do you get this number? And I'm like, that's exactly how I'd react. So I don't want to do this. <laughs> so imagine people just calling you all day and your job is to pick up the phone. They're like angry. Hey, 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 you fucking blah, 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 blah. And this is your fault. And, and it's all based on like other people who just happen to work at your company who are shitty at their job. And all of a sudden you have to just hear about it. Oh my God, that sucks. I feel bad for those people. Um, coming up soon, I'm going to, uh, oh yeah. So before I forget the Alaska baggage people, this is what the lady said to me, not our problem. This lady said, not our problem to me about my bag. It's like, what? I paid you to take care of my bag and you broke it and lost stuff from it. And then the ladies last night said you would give some sort of reimbursement. And now you're telling me, nah, fuck off. Um, and then I called the higher ups and she's like, ah, oh, we'll take care of that. Um, so before, I'm going to get to this really fun recurring segment that I'm going to do on this podcast called Yelp reviews, which are hilarious. I tell a story on stage sometimes about a strip club Yelp review I read because I, I, I get into the bit basically by saying like, oh, I'm married and I have kids now, so I don't go to, you know, I'm not going to strip clubs anymore, but so what I do now is I, I just Yelp, I, I read Yelp reviews of strip clubs in every city I go to, which is obviously a huge exaggeration. I don't, every time I get to a city, read Yelp reviews of strip clubs, but I did once and then I made it a joke and because I read this Yelp review that was hilarious. So fun things, I'll get to this in a second. Fun things to Yelp are fast food restaurants. Just type in wherever you live, type in mcdonald's taco bell uh just type in fast food like burger king wendy's the type of people who leave yelp reviews for fast food restaurants are always entertaining always same thing with strip clubs if there's you live in a place that has strip clubs or a place nearby it does just type in strip clubs gentlemen clubs the type of people who leave yelp reviews at gentlemen's clubs strip clubs it's like who are these people right and guess what guys 
a lot of people are disappointed. <laughs> a lot of people are pissed off at Taco Bell in their local area, but the way they write about Taco Bell, this thing, I like Taco Bell sometimes. I, I eat Taco Bell maybe twice a year. Maybe sometimes I'll have it once and then I'll be like, oh man, I like Taco Bell and I'll have it like a second time in that month and then I just won't have Taco Bell for like eight, nine months. But yeah, Taco Bell, it is what it is. But I don't go to Taco Bell going, I am going to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. I am going to Morton's. I am at Spago's in Beverly Hills. Like, you're going to fucking Taco Bell, right? So I'm going to get to that in just a second. Um, I want to first, I was going to just like find this video and then put the audio in and and, res- and cut it up and respond to it. But I think I just have to play it because I think it's only found on Twitter. So we're going to get to the Yelp reviews in a second. Oh, real quick before that too. Um, I was watching Shark Tank before I started recording this. And I just have a great Shark Tank idea. I've had this idea for years. It's not even a joke I do on stage. I just think it's hilarious though. So DiGiorno Pizza, right? I've had this idea for probably 10, over 10 years now. A service, a delivery service for DiGiorno pizzas. It is delivery. It is DiGiorno. Is that not great? I paused because I'm hoping you guys are giggling. That is great, right? Because the whole slogan is, it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno, right? Remember those commercials? Hey, who who got the pizza? Is this delivery? Where'd you get this pizza delivered from? And then the whole tagline was, it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. And everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> are you kidding me? This tastes like fucking pizza from an amazing place, like Little Caesars, <laughs> where you can get a $5 ready-to-made pizza. So that's my idea for Shark Tank. I want to take it to Shark Tank. Um, it is delivery. It is DiGiorno. So we just deliver DiGiorno pizzas exclusively. Another idea I had for Shark Tank, um, this is something I've told people about too. I should just not tell people these billion-dollar ideas because they're amazing. The ironic boomerang, okay? The ironic boomerang. It is a bent stick that when you throw it does not come back to you. So it's the ironic boomerang. And I go into Shark Tank and I go, look, all I'm looking for is $250,000 for a 100% stake in my company. That's all I want. (laughs) So if you know how Shark Tank works, you'll get that. That's funny, right? Because it's like people go in there and they're like, oh, I'm looking for you know, $150,000 for 15% of my company. And then the sharks make offers like, we'll give you, I'll give you 150,000, but I want 30% of your company or whatever, you know, I don't trust your, your valuation of that company. I don't think it's worth what you think. So obviously not to explain my joke, but I'm about to, it's funny. Cause I'm looking for 250 grand for a hundred percent of my company. So basically I'm just saying, give me 250 grand. I'll get out of your hair. You can have my company. I just want to leave. I just want a quarter million dollars for my bent stick idea the ironic boomerang i still kind of want to sell it i still think it's a great idea if somebody steals that and becomes rich i will fucking be so upset um i was gonna say i would kill myself but i can't do that now i have kids so i gotta stay alive and just take my losses all right so okay so here's the thing i want to talk about and then we'll get to the yelp reviews which i'm telling you are hilarious like they're always funny it's so easy to find these things. I don't even have to browse for a long time. Um, so Trevor Noah, um, there's a big thing on uh, Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart had this new movie called The Upside. And I guess it's based off a tr- 
I think it's based off a true story, but it's um it was a, it was made it was a movie that was made in France or something and a different name. Anyways, the point is Brian Cranston plays a guy in a wheelchair and he's super rich, and Kevin Hart plays a guy who's I think uh, from what I understand I didn't look too much into it. He's poor and he gets a job. Uh, I'm sure you've seen trailers for this movie. It's a comedy. Gets a job working for this really rich guy who's in a wheelchair and blah, blah, blah. So because everything is a problem nowadays, there's outrage online. Outrage is like mostly online. Do you, are you guys walking around like in your daily lives? I'm sure you guys live in different cities all over the place. Is Are people outraged? No. Online, everybody's outraged. And all these companies are bending to all this weird fake outrage online to every little thing. It's so strange to me. It's so weird. Everybody like gets along. I'm very friendly with so many comedians and stuff who I'm positive we disagree on certain things and I'm sure we agree on a lot of other things but you know it's just like people get along in life everybody's I've said, I used to say this during the election when I would do this political chunk uh, in my act it's just like people go oh I can't believe I can't believe anyone voted for Trump and other people are like I can't fucking believe anyone voted for Hillary Clinton but it's like we're all coexisting like we're all walking around holding door in general i'm saying obviously there's pieces of shit but in general people are holding doors for each other hey oh let me get that for you oh hey you're on the elevator oh what floor can i get that for you like people are just like nice and for the most part right i'm not saying everybody's amazing or anything but for the most part we all coexist but then online everyone's like oh, i fucking can't believe it how could how could anyone not think everything i think it's unbelievable so the online outrage is amazing right so this is what's crazy People are mad at Brian Cranston, I guess, because he's playing a disabled person and he's not disabled. And they're like, why doesn't that part go to a disabled actor? Now, look, before I get into this, do I think that'd be cool if a disabled actor, if there was an actor that's in a wheelchair, got that part? Would that be cool? That'd be awesome for that person. That's great. That'd be awesome. 100%. I'd be behind it. At the same time, Guys, that's not how movie studios make their decisions. I remember auditioning for shit when I used to audition all the time. And I remember I lost a part. And you know who ended up getting it? Justin Timberlake. No shit. If I'm that movie studio and it's like, oh, this Jeff Keith guy had a decent audition. Or Justin Timberlake can do the part. Yeah, I'm going to choose Justin Timberlake. You know why? Because he's fucking famous. He's a big name. Just him being in the movie he has he brings all these fans automatically he can just go on his fucking twitter instagram myspace whatever it was at the time be like hey everybody i'm about to be in this movie you guys should check it out and everyone will be like fuck yeah i fucking love you because i'm your fan and guess who doesn't have a lot of fans me still doesn't still do, still doesn't still don't so that's not how they make their decisions they don't go like oh this part uh, the character is in a wheelchair Let's make it our life's mission to find an actor in a wheelchair, which I'm, I'm sure there are great actors in, a wheel, in wheelchairs. By the way, let me just give a quick, very quick side story. I remember going to an acting like workshop class. It was like a placement for this big acting place in Hollywood when I was younger. And this girl, like we all had to go up in front of everybody's like orientation day, and we all had to do a scene with the main teacher lady, or the lady who like ran the acting studio. It's a very popular acting studio in LA, in Hollywood. And this, and we're all going up there and doing our thing, and everyone's like, "All right, whatever." This girl went up, by far, the best actor in the room, <laughs> like by fucking far. And the teacher, like the main lady, was like, obviously, because she wanted everyone's money, was being like, "Oh, great job!" After everybody, right? This girl 
I remember she took her out of the room. She's like, okay, everybody, time out. And she like took her out of the room, and I don't know what they talked about, but I'm pretty sure she was like, you're fucking better than everybody else. You don't even need to be here. I'm going to talk to everyone I know. Like That's what it seemed like, because this girl was better than all of us, right? And she, But there's the thing. She wasn't super hot. She wasn't super pretty. And not to be a jerk, but that's what – when you're in – I tried to explain this to my wife. Movies – a lot of people notice this in TV shows, like sitcoms, whatever. Have hard, like you're just kind of being filmed, and it's and you know, of course, they like good-looking people in those too. There's obviously a bunch of beautiful people in TV shows, but movies, your face needs to be like really amazing. That's why you'll see certain, you know, actresses and actors goes both ways where you're like, why does everyone think that person's so good looking? I think they're okay. And then you, and if you randomly bump into them in person, you're like, holy fuck, that person's face is ridiculous. I remember the first time I met Ashton Kutcher, I used to think, man, Ashton Kutcher, like he's a good looking guy, but why does everybody think he's like so hot? Like he just doesn't seem that good looking to me. And then he hired me to do like these secret videos back in the day in 2006 and he was directing him. And when I met that guy, I was like, yeah, his, his bone structure in his face is fucking immaculate. His facial symmetry is crazy. Like he's a very, very, very good looking guy. And I know there's probably some people listening right now going like, oh, he's not that good looking. He's fucking good looking. It's the same thing like, uh, Emma Stone, you know, Emma Stone, like she's a really great actress. She's in a bunch of movies and stuff, but she doesn't really look like the hottest woman you've ever seen. Or she's not like, she never plays like the gorgeous girl. I gar- I've never seen her. I guarantee if you saw her in person, you'd be like, oh my God, her face is ridiculous. Because that's just, there, there's a lot of like very, very close, tight shots in movies, and people's faces are just like really symmetric and really good looking. So, anyways, my point is that girl I saw that day in that acting class, I don't know who she is. I've never seen her since. She was a phenomenal actress. Amazing by far the best in that room and there were probably like 50 of us right so my point is a lot of people are going crazy because brian cranston's not paralyzed but he's playing a paralyzed person he's playing a paraplegic right so his response was you know weeks ago he's like i'm an actor like my job is to play people i'm not and i'm sitting there thinking yeah no shit like why are people even why is this a big deal people do this all the time they're like Oh, like, and it seems like they're doing it all the time now. I don't remember this being a huge thing before. And I get the other side of it, you know. Oh, if you're if you're gay uh, and somebody else gets to play like a really huge role in a movie or a TV show as a gay person, they're not gay. You're like, oh man, I'm really gay. Like, I get that thought process, but at the same time, like, who gives a shit? You're all actors, right? There's a lot of gay actors who play straight guys, and. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I could I could be wrong. I'm always open to being wrong. Has there ever been an outcry about a lead male actor, like a really good-looking guy who in his personal life is gay, but he plays a straight guy? Does, are there a bunch of straight people who are like whining about that? Like I don't think there is. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. So... I mean, it's different if like, you know, back in the day, they used to make like a... Like, was it Keith Carradine? Was it Keith Carradine or David Carradine? I think it was Keith Carradine... He was uh, the lead role in was it Kung Fu, and like they were going to give that to Bruce Lee, but then they just cast a white guy. I think that was a different time. That's that's fucked up. That's like, okay, like Asian guy, you're getting a white guy to play an Asian guy. They used to do a lot of shit like that back in the day. Blackface, obviously that is super racist and horrible. But I'm saying nowadays, I don't care, man. If there's a lead guy in a movie and he's a romantic interest for a woman and he's in his personal life, he's gay, I don't give a fuck. If he's a good actor and he plays 
the role, whatever the role is, well, what, what do I care? You know what I mean? If there's a, a lead woman in a movie and she's a romantic interest for a guy and in real life she likes women, what the fuck do I care? I don't care at all. I don't care one bit. Uh, my wife and I watched that show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Tony Shalhoub, as far as I know, is not Jewish. I think he's like Egyptian or something. He plays a Jewish guy. I'm Jewish. I'm not like, what the fuck's going on here? Tony Shalhoub's a great actor. Whatever. You know, <laughs> like who cares? The main girl, I don't think she's Jewish. She plays a Jewish woman. I don't know how many people on that show are, are actually Jewish, but they're playing Jews. Am I sitting here going like, why are the Jews not getting this role? So my point is, actors act. They they're, The whole point of their business is to play things they're not. Obviously, if you're, you know, Emma Stone and they cast you to play, you know, Rosa Parks, that's fucking wrong because that doesn't make any sense. This, you know, I mean, you wouldn't cast Harrison Ford to play Barack Obama. Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? You'd probably find an actor that, you know, I, I get it when it's like a physical trait, but if it's like a paralyzed or not paralyzed thing, or if it's a, um, you know, gay or straight thing, if, if it's not a physical thing and people can wrap their minds around you in the role, who cares? You know what I mean, Will Smith played Muhammad Ali. He did a great job in Ali. And they made him kind of look like him. You know what I mean? Did he look exactly like Muhammad Ali? No, but. Did they do his hair kind of the same? Yes. Were they both black guys? Yeah. Were they kind of like sort of the same shade? Yeah. So it's like we all loved it, you know? So anyways, there's a big uh, hubbub online about Brian Cranston playing uh, this black, uh, not black, now I'm all confused, playing a, a paralyzed person. So here's uh, Trevor Noah on The Daily Show talking about how he had basically it sounds like he had the same reaction as me and then he read an article from a paralyzed actor uh that they posted online and it totally like kind of like opened his mind to like this different side of it so i'm gonna i'm gonna play this and i'll, I'll pause it and just comment on it. so here we go let me see all right so here we go it was a uh, really fascinating discussion i stumbled upon online and it was about the new brian cranston and kevin hart movie um, you've seen it. It's a, it's a beautiful story that has been adapted. It's from a French movie originally called The Untouchables. And it's a story of, um, uh, I guess in the movie, it's, it's a, uh, an African man who lives in France, French guy, and he gets employed by this rich paraplegic man to come and like look after him. And it's like a, you know, odd pairing and they, they get to know each other and it's, it's a beautiful story. And I saw Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston are remaking the movie and it looks like it's going to be good. And what was interesting is there was a, like a big, you know, outrage online that, that started up yesterday where people were complaining saying, why is Brian Cranston playing a disabled person? Why didn't they get a disabled person to play a disabled person? And I'm not gonna lie, my first instinct, because I love Brian Cranston, I, my first instinct immediately, I was like, are you being serious? I'm like, God, come on, man, we're going too far now. I was like, it's, you can't, like, the actors, actors are gonna act. You can't, like, the whole point of acting, if we get everyone who is the thing to be the thing, then it's not acting, then it's just the thing, it's a documentary. <laughs> like, like, get the act, that's the whole point of acting. You know, and I was like, come on. Okay, just real quick, totally agree with him there. That's the same thing I thought in his little joke about how that's not acting, it's a documentary. It's the same thing I thought. Like, that's not acting. Like, why... Like, why do you need to be like, it's like, oh, hey, you're playing a person who was uh, in wrongly convicted of uh, rape and you spent 20 years in prison. Well, did you did you really go through that? Because if you didn't, I don't know if we can cast you in this role. Like, I totally agree with him. Makes no sense. Like, otherwise, it's just a documentary. OK. Oh, man, we're going too far. Of course, he's going to play the person. And then 
you know, obviously online, everyone just swears at each other. No, nobody speaks anymore. No one has a conversation that's nuanced. But there was one, one actor who is in a wheelchair, and I, I didn't know of him. I don't know who he is. I just, he just wrote a really cogent, beautiful response online. Didn't fight with anybody. Didn't call anybody anything. Didn't judge anybody. And he completely opened my eyes to a perspective I never thought of. He said, I understand what an actor is. I, too, am an actor. He said, but I'm an actor in a wheelchair. And I never see parts that are leading roles for a person in a wheelchair. And so the one time I see a role where there's a person in a wheelchair, I think, wow, this could be it. This could be the moment where I, I have all of the tools necessary to play this part. Do I get a shot at playing it? And, and he was like, because when you think of it on the flip side, they never call people with wheelchairs in to play able-bodied people, and they'll get able-bodied to people to play people in wheelchairs. And I was like, snap, I'm, like, I just, I never thought of it like that. Okay, I gotta pause it there. Does that make any sense to anybody? Like, I'm not trying to shit on Trevor Noah. I don't know the guy. Seems like a nice guy. He's a funny guy. What, what, does that make any sense? They call in able-bodied people to play people in wheelchairs, but they don't call in people who are actually paralyzed to play able-bodied people well fucking of course not how is somebody who's actually paralyzed if i'm actually paralyzed god forbid and i feel horrible for people who are paralyzed it sucks that's terrible and it is limiting and it's terrible but it doesn't make any less than anybody else but like how are they gonna play mark Wahlberg's role in lone survivor if they can't walk like i'm not trying to be a dick but like and then Trevor Noah's like, oh, I never thought of it like that. How do you never think of it like that? What are you talking about? I, I just gave the uh, the example earlier about Muhammad Ali. And Will Smith played Muhammad Ali great, right? I Guess who else likes Muhammad Ali? Me. A lot of other people. White people, Asian people, uh, black people, Mexican people, looking, all sorts of Latino people, whatever, like Indian people. A lot of people, lo- people all over the world love Muhammad Ali. Do you think a fucking five foot four... Pakistani guy was ever going to get to audition for to fucking play Muhammad Ali? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so it's like, I don't, I don't get, I get what he's saying. Like, and when he's going to get to a point that like, yes, I'll see the point. I'll, I'll wait for him to get to it. But like, my point about that is how weird is that? Like you can't have somebody who can't physically walk, do things. They can't play a part where if somebody who's running and jumping and, and doing all sorts of stuff, they can't do. I mean, there's things I couldn't do. Like, say, I, I'm not I'm not being asked by anybody to do anything. But say I was asked to be, oh, Jeff, can you, you know, play uh, Steve Nash, who's a famous basketball player, white guy. Can you play him in a movie right now because of my back and everything? Like, how fucked up my, my back and my knees and everything are? Like, all that? Probably not. Like, they probably have to cast a different person who has the physical abilities to play that role because if they cast me to play it it would look like shit (laughs) that's the whole point like i can't believe that this is even like a big thing and uh i'll I'll let him keep going because uh i i I do see where this person's coming from but i'll have more to say hold on you know my perspective obviously as someone who is not in a wheelchair i just i never thought of it that way and i said that i was like it's 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 powerful because you, you, you don't think about representation. You don't think about how important it is for people to see themselves on screen, like, like in a real way. And at the same time, I don't think Brian Cranston did anything wrong. You know, I, I, I don't think everything has to be a fight. It's just like a moment to be like, hey, maybe next time in Hollywood, people can look at that and go, 
Maybe you can get a relatively unknown actor to play that role and then put an A-lister opposite them. Maybe it becomes their breakout. Maybe this. Okay, so I, I get what he's saying there. Maybe you get an unknown actor and then put an A-lister opposite them. It's a business. Like when it, That's why we do love it when we do see an unknown person get an opportunity like that because it's rare because someone did take a chance. But it's a business. Like I, I gave the example of me losing roles like Justin Timberlake earlier. Why did I lose the role of Justin Timberlake? One, he's a really good actor, I think, in my opinion, Justin Timberlake. Also, he's super fucking famous. He's like one of the most famous people ever. So if I'm a studio and it's like, oh, Justin Timberlake or this unknown comedian, you know, pretty much totally unknown comedian. Obviously, some people kind of know who I am, but most people don't. Why would anybody as a business decision when all you're thinking is, okay, we put this person on the billboard, we make money. Uh, if we put this person on the billboard, fuck. Like, shit, I don't know. Will anyone come see it? And then, I mean, this logic that he uses, like maybe next time they can just get an unknown actor and then put a, uh, an A-lister next to him. That's a great utopian idea, but that doesn't really make any sense as a business model. Unless you have some movie that you already know is, you know, the critics are good behind it and they're going to push it and, you know... It's like the best script you've ever seen in the last 15 years or whatever, and you can afford to take that risk, and you and you come across some actor who's amazing. I'm not saying the actor who wrote this. I have no idea who wrote this, the actor in the wheelchair he's talking about, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know the person. I'm sure they're a fine actor. Are they an amazing actor? Are they a groundbreaking actor to the point, can they do comedy? Because Brian Cranston is a very good actor. He also can do comedy, which is not something that a lot of actors can do. So... Can this person do that as well as Brian Cranston? Why is there like a crazy assumption that this person can do the role just as well and kind of an assumption that he can do it better than Brian Cranston just because he's really in a wheelchair? And again, that fucking sucks. Like, I thank God every day for my health. I thank God every day for my kids' health and my wife's health. And I get that that stinks. And of course, there's not a lot of opportunities for somebody in a wheelchair, but I'll try and find the clip. I know I've used Denzel already a couple times in this podcast uh, to close things out, but Denzel Washington has this great Q&A, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, where he talks about the idea that people think that roles should just be written for them. He's like, go out and create your own stuff. Like, go write the role for yourself. And that's, by the way, what a lot of people did. I'm not even like super familiar with the show Insecure, but uh, Issa Rae, that's what she did. She just created a bunch of stuff for herself. She wrote stuff herself and shot it herself and used her friends and they all collaborated. And then she has this like hit show on HBO. I, I don't watch it, but I, I auditioned for it like a bunch of times and never got anything. But like, it's a big show. It's a hit show. Good for her. You know what I mean? Like, so this idea that everybody in the world owes you to write roles that fit your thing because you're an actor, that doesn't really make sense. And I'm, I'll try and find the clip of Denzel talking about that because he's obviously an A-list actor. He's a great actor. He's super famous. He's very successful. And he talks about that. So um, I, I just don't, like, if that was the situation, shouldn't they do that for every movie? You cast one A-lister and then the rest of the people get to be uh, new actors that you're trying to break out. You know who did that? Clint Eastwood did that in the movie Gran Torino. If you ever saw Gran Torino, he cast a bunch of unknown actors because he was trying to like give them a chance. If you guys ever saw that movie, the acting was noticeably dog shit. Like those actors were terrible. They were terrible actors. And Clint Eastwood, who's a good actor, I don't think Clint Eastwood is necessarily known as, you know, being 
Robert De Niro or, you know, some, you know, Denzel or something, but he looked a million times better than the people he cast around him because they were, they weren't good. They were not talented actors. They weren't, they were new and he did that. And that's an awesome thing that he did that. He gave them all this huge shot, but their fucking acting sucked. So it's like, that's the new norm just to give people opportunities that, let me say something about acting. Like I said about that, that lady, that girl who I saw in that acting workshop years ago, I don't know what happened to that girl. And I'll tell you what, she was fucking phenomenal. I have a writer friend who told me once a story about how he knew this girl who was an amazing actress. And he's like, but dude, she's not, she's not good looking. There's not a lot of parts for people who aren't really beautiful, especially for women in Hollywood. And like, yeah, that's not great. But like at the same time, people enjoy seeing what they like seeing. And like, you have to create that. You have to create it for yourself. So, um, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, uh, in the industry was started by certain people, then people hire who they know. They like, you know, that, that's how every group of people is. So I, I just don't really, I don't know. Before I start rambling too much, it's just the idea that next time maybe we'll cast somebody who's unknown and put them next to an A-lister just to give somebody a shot. I don't think that's what the film business. And again, I'm not even like really in the film business. I've never really been in a movie as like a, in a big role in a movie or anything, but like they're trying to make money and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, like they're trying, they're putting their money out there. They're investing it. It's very expensive to make movies, especially this movie. The, the upside looks like it was pretty expensive. You know, it was not like some low budget indie film that cost hundred grand that cost millions of dollars to make. People want to get a return on their money. They invested time. They invested their money. They want to see results. So like, Again, Justin Timberlake, Jeff Keith, who are we picking? Anyone out there? I'm picking Justin Timberlake. Who are you guys picking? You guys picking me? Because I'm picking Justin Timberlake. All right, let's listen to the rest of this. ...becomes the thing that blows them up. And that's where you realize like how powerful representation is. Because if you were a person in a wheelchair, and how many movies come along where the lead character is in a wheelchair? There's, there's virtually none. And I, I honestly, I, even myself, I was like, oh, man, I have to try and understand that a little bit more. Uh, it, was, it was eye-opening. And I, I did under- okay, so that's again, that's my point. I, I totally agree with Trevor Noah. There's not a lot of movies with people with wheelchairs as as the lead. Totally agree. Like that's weird to me that that's eye opening for him. He hasn't thought about that. I mean, I'm not saying I actively think about it, but like he doesn't realize that. Does he go to the movies? Does he does he watch trailers for movies? Are all the superheroes in the Avengers movies are they all in wheelchairs? No, like this is pretty obvious stuff. Like I don't even get how this is uh an interesting thing or, or not interesting i don't get how it's like a difficult thing to grasp you know so my that, like back back to my original point like yes that is correct that does suck guess what being in a wheelchair sounds like it sucks like not everything about it i mean you can do amazing things if you're in a wheelchair but the is it would it be better to be able to walk yeah i'm not trying to like be offensive or in any way at all i'm sorry if that comes off the wrong way but the point is is like, yeah, you are afforded less opportunities because you're in a wheelchair, and that fucking sucks. That really does suck. And I, I'm again, I'm thankful I'm not in a wheelchair. But, dude, if you're an actor and you're in a wheelchair, write your story. You know what I mean? Write your story. Write your story and work your ass off to get it made. Like, it's not easy. Like, life isn't easy even if you fucking aren't in a wheelchair. So it's like, 
write, especially in Hollywood, getting your, your story made or getting like something like that happened, write your story. You know what I mean? That girl, um, you know, who played Precious, I can't remember her. I know it's Gab, Gabria, Gabia Sibude or something. I, I can never pronounce her name. She's a great actress. That girl was awesome in Precious. And guess what? She got other roles after that. Were they writing, was Hollywood writing a bunch of roles for like really overweight women like that? No. And that's just, it is what it is. So like you got to go out there and you got to, you know, write stuff like that. Luckily for her, that, that role for Precious came along and she fucking killed it. She was great. But it's like the idea that everybody in the world owes you something is such a weird concept for me to grasp. All right, it's almost done. I when he said it like that a bit because I remember when they announced The Lion King was going to be made in America. They're like, The Lion King's going to be made. They're looking and I was like, my phone's going to ring, right? <laughs> I was like, because I mean, I was like, um, the whole time, the whole time I was waiting and then they were like, Beyonce is going to be, I was like, okay, cool. Beyonce and, and then they were like, another person was like, and, and then they were like, Donald Glover. I was like, okay, good. And, and, and I was just like, waiting. I was so ready to be in the Lion King. That every time my phone rang, every time, didn't, I, like, I didn't even hesitate. I answered, it would be like, I was like, nah, it's like, nah, like, oh, hello? No, no, I, I, I already have insurance. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. But uh, why? Yeah, because I might be in the Lion King. That's why. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you very I hope they think that too. Thank you very much. All right, bye. All right. So, I mean, kind of, you guys got, got up to the point. At that point, it just starts being funny and saying, because he's African, he thought he was going to be in The Lion King, and he didn't get called, and he just starts kind of making jokes about it. And at first, it comes off kind of like a little, you know, uh, presumptuous, like, oh, I should be in that huge movie because whatever. But then, but he's just joking around about it. And by the end, like, the audience is moaning, like, oh, like, we're sorry for you. And he's like, guys, I'm doing great. You know, so anyways, you're just being funny at the, from that point on. But anyways, I thought it was just, like, mind-boggling, like, the idea that people think everything should be, you know, written for them and all this stuff, like some things in life just suck. Okay. So, all right. On a lighter note, let's just read these, uh, Yelp reviews and then we'll get out of here. I'll try and find that Denzel audio. Um, hopefully I can, if not, whatever. Uh, so here is, uh, this is, this is a segment I am looking forward to doing you guys email me at the Jeff Keith show. It's in the show notes, the Jeff Keith show at gmail.com. So T H E G E O F F K E I T H S H O W at gmail.com. Let me know if you like this segment because I find it so funny and I do comedy for a living. So if you guys don't find this funny, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. But um, also on uh, Instagram, Twitter at Jeff Keith, just my name, G E O F F K E I T H. And guys, again, if you can please just go and rate the podcast five stars, it helps so much if everybody just goes and does that. If you want to write a review, that'd be awesome too a good review and uh but the five star thing takes literally half a minute you just type in the gk show i mean if you're listening to this you're already on the page and just click five stars so uh, thank you in advance for that so this is from j to j and she is writing about taco bell okay watch how fucking funny this is guys what would you do if you saw an average no what would you do if you saw a customer giving a cashier a fake 50 dollars bill I ordered food at Taco Bell slash Pizza Hut restaurant yesterday at around 8 p.m. Love how she calls it restaurant. I still have the receipt. 
Okay, thanks. And the short Hispanic guy with scar on his chin wearing a dark green shirt with, quote, down and dirty, end quote, label on the back was ordering food. I noticed a dollar with white and bluish color. I thought that could be money from another country. I thought, cool, Taco Bell accept all foreign currencies. But I looked again, dot, dot, dot. It had President Grant's face on it. The Hispanic cashier gave him $20, $5, and $1 and other changes. And she was trying to hide the fake money so her boss and coworkers won't see. She noticed me and tried to give me free drink. I nodded my head and stared at her. I don't want her to get fired or anything. She looked like she was tired of helping that man to steal. I guess he must be a gang member. <laughs> and she was afraid of him. I don't know. She looks like a sweet person. So I just sat down. My food was lukewarm, but I ate them anyway. I love the bacon club chalupa and put verde salsa and hot sauce on my personal pizza. And saw the guy with the chin scar getting free drinks from the soda vendor machine three times eating food for free. I don't want Taco Bell slash Pizza Hut to close down. Would you report if you saw Taco Bell staff dropped a box of food on the floor and gave it to the drive-thru customer? Tell the manager? Maybe the manager is rookie too. I know that they <laughs> this is like, is this not funny already? What the fuck is going on here? I know that they would drop food, but not in front of me or other customers. That staff just picked up the box of food and put it inside the bag with napkin and other food package. I see why people get sick. After I ate, I just helped the staff clean up, picking up trashes off the floor and left. That is so funny. Do you want to know what this review is? Three out of five stars. <laughs> So let's just recap this one review. This person saw um, money laundering going on at Taco Bell um, with a gang member who was getting free sodas and then they were dropping food on the floor and handing it to people in the drive-thru. Her food was lukewarm. She ate it anyways and three out of five stars. So there you go, guys. That's the first review. <laughs> J to J, Taco Bell. Next review, Andreas Y. One star. The portions the fill their burritos and tacos with are smaller than other Taco Bells. What the fuck kind of sentence is that, guys? I'm going to read that again because I felt like I just got stupid reading that. The portions the fill their burritos and tacos with are smaller than other Taco Bells. They also seem to overwork their help. And run understaffed for the amount of traffic. The help here is great. Good service and sincere people. It looks like a sure management issue. Bad business. <laughs> so, again, did I not tell you guys that these Yelp reviews were going to be fucking fire? Like, how great are these Yelp reviews? This one's short. Andreas Y. One star. One out of five. The portions the fill their burritos and tacos with are smaller than other Taco Bells. They also seem to overwork their help and run understaffed for the amount of traffic. The help here is great, good service, and sincere people. It looks like a sure management issue, bad business. Sincere people. They are sincere. These people, when they're handing me my shitty rat meat tacos, are very sincere. Let's move on to Lucky K. One out of five stars. I got a family pack and all my tacos don't have no meat. More of everything else calling them and some of my tacos didn't have no meat at all calling to speak to manager but no answer late night suck here and it had just 
hit 10 p.m. Need better workers. No napkins. No sauce. Guys, there was also no periods, no commas, no exclamation points, <laughs> no grammar in that entire message. So I know I tell you guys to listen to me on 1.5 speed. Sometimes I talk slow. Let's move this down to half speed and listen to this again. I got a family pack and all my tacos don't have no meat, more of everything else calling them. And some of my tacos didn't have no meat at all calling to speak to manager, but no answer. Late night suck here. And it had just hit 10 PM. Need better workers. No napkins, no sauce. Fuck off. (laughs) Right. Lucky K is never going back to that Taco Bell. So next one. Okay. This is still Taco Bell. And then we're going to move on to strip clubs. So two, I think it's two more for Taco Bell. Yeah. Then we got strip clubs. Emily J, one out of five stars for this Taco Bell. Not only did the app mess up my order time from 12.45 p.m. to 10.30 a.m., when I tried calling, no one picked up. I am very, very pissed, and I will not be eating there again. Okay, so obviously that one is not the funniest review. Still pretty funny. You're ordering Taco Bell through an app. Just go to fucking Taco Bell, okay? Taco Bell was meant for the drive-thru. I feel like when you walk inside a Taco Bell, they're like, what are you doing? Get in your car and get outside. Go through the drive-thru. So she's ordering Taco Bell through an app. The app messed up. How does the app mess up 12.45 p.m. to 10.30 a.m.? That seems like maybe human error, Emily J. I think that might want, that, might, that, that one might be on you. So she tried calling and no one picked up. Have you ever... Guys, anyone listening, have you ever been at a Taco Bell and seen somebody pick up the phone and start talking to a customer? Who calls Taco Bell? I've never, I don't know anybody. I know a lot of people. I don't know anyone who's like, yeah, dude, the other day I called Taco Bell. You, I'm like, time out. You called Taco Bell? Called Taco Bell. Bro. I like to I like to dial in when I, when I go to Taco Bell. Oh, yeah? Do you fax Del Taco too? What are you talking about, you nutcase? All right, last one for Taco Bell from O'Shea H. Excuse me. I placed my order first, then asked the cashier, Candice P, for the restroom code. I didn't hear her clearly the first time, so I asked her to repeat it. She gave me the biggest attitude, even though I was polite to her. The icing on the cake? There was a homeless lady sleeping in the bathroom. I won't be spending my hard-earned money here ever again. <laughs> it's like, dude, your heart, I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from O'Shea H., but your hard-earned money that you're going to Taco Bell, bro, how much hard-earned, I'm not saying you didn't work hard for your money, I'm not saying that money's not hard-earned, but how much money, how much hard-earned money did you spend at Taco Bell? $6? Like, <laughs> what are we talking here, O'Shea? First off, dude, she gives me attitude about the bathroom code, then I go in the bathroom, there's a homeless lady sleeping in there, at a Taco Bell? It's like, dude, where do you think you are? The Ritz-Carlton? Yeah, there's homeless people in the bathrooms. All right, let's move on to... Gentlemen's club strip reviews, gentlemen's club strip club reviews, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. I'll try and find that Denzel audio, but even if I don't find it at this point, you guys have to be having a good time with these Yelp reviews. Zach W, three out of five stars. The place is too dark to really enjoy. This is a strip club. The place is too dark to really enjoy seeing the sexy parts. I had a really good lap dance. Very exciting for $40. This guy wrote $40, by the way with a dollar sign four zero dot zero zero like is there a lap dance that costs forty dollars and 37 cents is that a is that a thing is there a strip club that's like oh this lap dance will be uh yeah thirty seven eighty two it's like okay cool let me just get my pennies and my nickels and dimes and quarters together very exciting back to the review very exciting for forty dollars i was touchy this guy's bragging about being touchy I was touchy, but when I went back to get the VIP treatment, I realized that it's a big trick. Oh, no way, bro. 
I was tricked. LOL. I must be a real trick. Anyway, it was very fast and a real waste of $100. I left thinking I would have saved $150 if I stayed home and beat my meat. So my advice is just stick with the regular dances. Thanks, Zach W. We appreciate it. And we're all picturing you beating your meat to three out of five stars. Janine J. She's right. Oh, what the fuck happened there? She's writing about the same place. All I have to say is that I spend my money here like nobody's business. I paid for a lap dance and a ratchet ran out on me. It's not even about the money. It's about the principle. Oh, my God. I love when people are writing Yelp reviews of strip clubs citing the principle. Hey, guys, it's just the principle of the matter. When I come to a nice establishment like Bank of America, I expect some professionality. So I paid for a lap dance and a ratchet ran out on me. It's not even about the money. It's about the principle. I hope she enjoyed that. Hope you went home happy, Marie. More where that came from. I'll always remember your face, period, two exclamation points. Ha, 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 ha. I don't even know what's going on in that. If it, please, somebody hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, uh, at Jeff Keith or at the email, the Jeff Keith show at Gmail. Tell me, I'm going to read this one one more time because I honestly don't understand what really happened. All I have to one out of five stars. So obviously she's mad. Janine J. All I have to say is that I spend my money here like nobody's business. I paid for a lap dance and a ratchet ran out on me. It's not even about the money. It's about the principle. I hope she enjoyed that. Hope you went home happy, Marie. More where that came from. I'll always remember your face, period, two exclamation points. Ha, 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 ha. Like what? So she ran out on, you paid for a lap dance and then she ran out and then hope you enjoyed that. I don't, I don't, I get lost where she says, Hope you went home happy, Marie. And then she says, more where that came from. I don't get that. You're, you're doing one out of five stars. You're saying more where that came from. Like, I'll be back to pay you more to give me the shitty lap. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. All right. Is this the last one? No, I got more. Okay. So this is, all right. Here's another route from Rusty S. One out of five stars. So let's start from the beginning. Parking is dreadful. We get it. You want to assume high class standards, so let's make everyone pay $20 for parking. Okay, no big deal. $20, no problem. Now let's walk up to the door. It's supposed to be $20 a head. Okay, cool, no problem. This is name of the establishment, which I won't say. So now it's so now I'm in $40 and have not seen one ass cheek or titty, but rude security and hostess. And then parentheses, to be fair, they probably deal with assholes all night, but still. Now I have to buy singles. Got it. I'm at a strip club. Got to p- pay to play, right? Proceed to buy $1,500 singles. So $1,500 in singles. And tell me how that's not a lot of money, question mark. I get harassed for having money and throwing it at a girl who has no class. No is capitalized with four O's. Besides that, everything but cheesy ass. So I get harassed for having money and not throwing it at a girl who has no ass. No, sorry. I'm going to read that again. I get harassed for having money and not throwing it at a girl who has no class besides that everything but cheesy ass. Trying to cool it, I move on, but it's pretty much the same ratchety attitude. I'm not sure what was in the drinks, but everyone was on one. Believe you me, I tried to have a good time, but this place was not my cup of tea. I'd rather actually head out to Los Angeles and hit a strip club rather than this hub for deadbeats and buzzkills in the cut. I'm sorry. I'll keep my $40 plus for another place that's already tried and true. I may give another shot, but goddamn, $40? Just to be disappointed? We'll see. He wrote goddamn G-A-H. So respect to the almighty. I appreciate that, Rusty S. That was a good review.
All right. I think I fuck, dude. I have a couple more reviews. All right, I'll get through these fast. Dalen R, one out of five stars. To the pla- to me, the place was unprofessional. The females at the door super rude, charging different price to people. I pay forty to get in. An hour later, a fight breakout. There was a mix. By the way, guys, when I when I read the word there in a Yelp review, just assume that they're always spelling the wrong version of the word there. There was a mix up with the area. And because there was nobody working the section, people was placed wrong. People was placed wrong in this motherfucker? The security came and didn't even escort them out. And DJ talking about, quote, shake that shit off. That's a no for me, especially when y'all got stars coming in. I don't know what that means. Is she talking about Yelp stars? I read this earlier, obviously. Is she talking about Yelp stars or is she talking about stars like there's famous people coming in here? So I'm going to read the last two sentences. The security, again, the security came and didn't even escort them out. And DJ talking about shake that shit off. That's a no for me, especially when y'all got stars coming in. No idea what this lady's talking about. This is Dalen R. All right, Alexander M., two out of five stars. This is just another twerk club. They charge for every little thing. $20 to park in their lot, $20 at the door, and 10% if you want ones. The girls are typical twerk club dancers, all tied up with giant cheese asses. Heaven forbid if you don't make it rain, or if you do, don't make it rain enough, the dancer will hit you with real attitude. We'll never go back. Two out of five stars. So I wonder what that extra star was for, because he didn't give one out of five stars. And uh, is it just me, guys? Are we hearing a lot of talk about cheese asses? Is that a is that like a strip club term? Is that, a, is that lingo for strip club goers? Cheese asses? A lot of cheese asses? All right. Um... Let me see. All right, this last one. Fred W. Fern W. Looks like Fred. Fern W. Fern? Your name's Fern. You're going to a strip club? I'm already disgusted how they handle business. Five exclamation points. I heard and seen this place from a friend and want to celebrate my 35th. However, all caps, the woman who answered my... The woman who answered was... quote Like, fuck. I'm sorry, guys. I want. I heard and seen this place from a friend and want to celebrate my 35th. However, the woman who answered was, all caps, rude as fuck. And hung up on me. Then I called back to back 10 time calls being rejected and all and not answering. So this is how y'all conduct business? Yeah, I'm good, fam. Y'all hella lost out on potential money. F you. So there's a lot of capitalization going on in this one. There's a lot of exclamation points. So this is our last review. So I'm going to read it one more time. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm already disgusted how they handle business. I heard and seen this place from a friend and wants to celebrate my 35th. However, the woman who answered was rude as fuck and hung up on me. Then I call back to back 10 times, calls being rejected and all and not answering. So this is how y'all conduct business? Yeah, I'm good, fam. Y'all hella lost out on potential money. F you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts I'm putting down. The Yelp review section is coming back for sure. I thought this podcast was going to be like 20 minutes long. We're at an hour already. I'm going to try and find that Denzel audio. Hopefully I find it. If I don't, thanks so much for listening, guys. Please go uh, rate and review the podcast five stars. It helps me out so much. Send me an email. Hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, at Jeff Keith. And uh, as always, I got my other podcast with my buddy Ian, the ENG podcast. So that's in the show notes. Check it out. All right, guys. All right, everybody, I'm back to tell you I just searched for about 30 minutes. I could not find that Denzel interview I was talking about. I'm telling you it does exist. I'm going to keep looking for it, but just for the time being because it's almost 1 a.m. and I'm staying up late after a show to try and put out another podcast for you guys. Um, 
just uh, for the time being, let's just end it with another inspirational video, uh, speech, whatever, from Matthew McConaughey. Um, again, man, I think these things, I know they're kind of cheesy. And I know some people might be like, oh, what is this? Uh, just it's, it's, I feel like it's good to listen to stuff like this from time to time. Don't worry about who's saying it. Just listen to the words in it. And um, I hope, like I said, I got emails from people and I just started this podcast and I already got emails from people saying like, oh, I really like needed that, blah, blah, blah. That really helped me when I put like some inspirational speeches at the end of the other podcast. So I'm just going to keep doing it because um, uh, it helps me. And I think uh, it can, if it helps even one of you listening, then that's cool. You know what I mean? So uh, everybody's going through stuff all the time. So Here's a here's another good one. I like uh, this from uh, Matthew McConaughey, the actor. All right, so here we go. And thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate it. Check the show notes. All right, good night. Bye. We've all got two wolves in us, a good one and a bad one, and they both want to eat. The best I can tell, we just gotta feed that good one a little more than the other one. Happiness is an emotional response to an outcome. If I win, I will be happy. If I don't, I won't. It's an if-then, cause and effect, quid pro quo, standard that we cannot sustain because we immediately raise it every time we attain it. You see, happiness, happiness demands a certain outcome. It is result-reliant. And I say if happiness is what you're after, then you're going to be let down frequently and you're going to be unhappy much of your time. Joy, though, joy is a different thing. It's something else. Joy is not a choice. It's not a response to some result. It's a constant. Joy is the feeling that we have from doing what we are fashioned to do, no matter the outcome. Now, personally, as an actor, I started enjoying my work and literally being more happy when I stopped trying to make the daily labor a means to a certain end. For example, uh, I need this film to be a box office success. You know, I need my performance to be acknowledged. I need the respect of my peers. All those are reasonable aspirations, but the truth is, as soon as the work, the daily making of the movie, the doing of the deed became the reward in itself for me, I got more box office, more accolades and respect than I ever had before. See, joy is always in process. It's under construction. It is in constant approach, alive and well, in the doing of what we're fashioned to do and enjoying it. The easiest way to dissect success is through gratitude, giving thanks for that which we do have, for what is working, appreciating the simple things we sometimes take for granted. We give thanks for these things, and that gratitude reciprocates, creating more to be thankful for. It's really simple and it works. Now I'm not saying be in denial of your failures. No, we can learn from them too, but only if we look at them constructively as a means to reveal what we are good at, what we can get better at, what we do succeed at. Our life's a verb. We try our best, we don't always do our best. And since we are the architects of our own lives, let's study the habits, the practices, the routines that we have that lead to and feed our success, our joy, 
our honest pain, our laughter, our earned tears. Let's dissect that and give thanks for those things. And when we do that, guess what happens? We get better at them and we have more to dissect. It's a get rich quick on the internet, riches 15 minutes of fame world that we live in and we see it every day. But we all want to succeed, right? So the question that we got to ask ourselves is what success is to us? What success is to you? Is it more money? That's fine. I got nothing against money. Maybe it's a healthy family. Maybe it's a happy marriage. Maybe it's to help others, to be famous, to be spiritually sound, to leave the world a little bit better place than you found it. Continue to ask yourself that question. Now your answer may change over time and that's fine. But do yourself this favor. Whatever your answer is, don't choose anything that will jeopardize your soul. Prioritize who you are, who you want to be, and don't spend time with anything that antagonizes your character. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. It tastes sweet, but you will get cavities tomorrow. All right, life is not a popularity contest. Be brave, take the hill, but first answer that question, what's my hill? Well, for me, it's a measurement of, of five things. We got fatherhood, we got being a good husband, we got my health, mind, body, and spirit, we got career, and we got friendships. These are what's important to me in my life right now. Because I wanna keep all five in healthy shape. And I know that if I don't take care of them, if I don't keep up maintenance on them, one of them is gonna get weak, man. It's gonna to dip too deep into the debit section. It's gonna go bankrupt. It's gonna get sick, die even. So first, we have to define success for ourselves. And then we have to put in the work to maintain it. Take that daily tally, tend our garden, keep the things that are important to us in good shape. Defining ourselves by what we are not is the first step that leads us to really knowing who we are. You know that group of friends that you hang out with that they really might not bring out the best in you? You know, they, they gossip too much or they're kind of shady. They really aren't gonna be there for you in a pinch. Or how about that bar that we keep going to that we always seem to have the worst hangover from? Or that computer screen, right? That computer screen that keeps giving us an excuse not to get out of the house and engage with the world and get some real human interaction. Or how about that food that we keep eating, the stuff that tastes so good going down, makes us feel like crap the next week, when we feel lethargic and we keep putting on weight? Well, those people, those places, those things, stop giving them your time and energy. Just don't go there, I mean, put them down. And when you do this, when you do put them down, when you quit going there, and you quit giving them your time, you inadvertently find yourself spending more time and in more places that are healthy for you, that bring you more joy. Why? Because you just eliminated the who's, the where's, the what's, and the when's that were keeping you from your identity. Like, trust me, too many options, <laughs> I promise you this, too many options will make a tyrant of us all. All right, so get rid of the excess, the wasted time. Decrease your options. And if you do this, you will have accidentally, almost innocently, put in front of you what is important to you by process of elimination. Knowing who we are is hard. It's hard. So give yourself a break. Eliminate who you are not first, and you're going to find yourself where you need to be.
Make voluntary obligations. I'm talking about the ones that we make with ourselves, with our God, with our own consciousness. I'm talking about the you versus you obligations. We have to have them. Now again, these are not societal laws and expectations that we acknowledge and endow for anyone other than ourselves. These are faith-based obligations that we make on our own. These are not the lowered insurance rates for a good driving record. You will not be fined or put in jail if you do not gratify these obligations I speak of. No one else governs these but you. They are your secrets with yourself, your own private counsel, personal protocols. And while nobody throws you a party when you abide by them, no one's going to arrest you when you break them either, except yourself. An honest man's pillow is his peace of mind. And when you lay down on that pillow at night, no matter who's in your bed, we all sleep alone. These are your personal Jiminy Crickets, and there are not enough cops in the entire world to police them. It's on you. It's on you. We do our best when our destinations are beyond the measurement, when our reach continually exceeds our grasp, and when we have immortal finish lines. And when we do this, the race is never over. The journey has no port. The adventure never ends because we are always on the way. So do this, do this, and let them, let somebody else come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you, you, you scored. Let them run up and tap you on the shoulder and say, man, you, you won. Let them come tell you, you can go home now. Let them say, I love you too. Let them say, thank you. Take the lid off the man-made roofs that we put above ourselves and always play like an underdog. Thanks for letting to my daddy.